0: tuning into the New Vision podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. So Mel makes fun of me for a lot of reasons. Like I I give her a lot of material to work with most of the time. Um, But one of the things that she's been teasing me more about lately is our memberships to Costco and Sam's. Any, anybody membership, to, uh, you have a membership to Costco or Sam's? That's right. That's right. And this morning we're going to settle the debate of which one is better. I'm just kidding. Stop. I'm just kidding. See. All right. <laughs> Look, don't, don't shout for Sam's or Costco if you wasn't shouting during worship. Don't, don't do Jesus like that. I'm just playing. So we don't have to settle that just quite yet. But what Mel likes to tease me about is when I get the emails from Sam's and Costco, um, I get really excited about those emails. You know how sometimes you just delete them, right? It's like, oh, what are they selling today? Well, I can tell you right now that Sam's is having an appliance sale um, through the 4th of July. And so I don't know if you need a new washer or dryer. I don't, but I was looking at them, and they're hundreds off. It excites me when I see this because here's what, here's what Sam's does. Like they'll tell you like hey, membership has its perks and there are member only prices and those things make me feel good inside. And so I open up these emails and I go through all of them and, and some of you will, will appreciate this because it makes me feel like a kid all over again. Like looking through, you remember when the Sunday paper used to have all the ads like before Christmas and you would go through and you would circle all of those it brings me back to those kinds of joy. That's what I feel on the inside when I'm looking through the Sam's and Costco emails. And, and I really do enjoy just kind of walking up and down the aisles. It is a dangerous thing that Mel really doesn't allow me to do without her because I will buy things that we do not need because it's a good deal. Like, why, why don't we need a third vacuum? Like, I, <laughs> this one is on sale. And, you know, there's, there's five of us living at our house. And so, like, Maybe we do need a year's supply of things, like it, it's a good deal, it's and when it's on sale, like how can you walk by it even more? So like all of that plays into it, but like you get benefits, and, and maybe Sam's and Costco isn't your thing, but maybe you, you've got a, a season pass to Worlds of Fun or, or Oceans of Fun or Silver Dollar City, or maybe when, when you go to Disney, you pay for the upgrade to get the fast pass because you don't like waiting in lines and and even if those aren't your things like there are some memberships that we will pay for like VIP tickets to concerts so that we can sit in special places and have access to people and and go backstage and and walk on the tour bus like we want the benefits of those kind of things and one of the things that I'm excited uh, about is when I travel now and go to the airport I don't have to wait in the really long lines because now I have TSA pre-check and so I can just walk through all this like there are there are benefits to the right memberships. Now, all of them aren't the same because my gym membership doesn't really feel like it's benefiting me very much. <laughs> it feels more like it's benefiting the gym than it is me, but it's all in how you use it, right? Uh, I did, that wasn't even in my notes. That's bad. <clears throat> so as Paul is, is writing to the Philippians, you're like, how are you making this turn? Like, there's no way you make this turn. Paul would, he would know that they didn't understand what Sam's was or or what Costco, the benefits of, of those things. But he would write to them from a perspective that membership does have rewards, that they would understand that membership and citizenship were valuable to them because Philippi was a Roman colony. And that meant that there were certain rights and privileges that their citizens had that other places didn't. For instance, if you were a Roman citizen, you could vote. You could hold office, you could own land, uh, you could enter into a contract and and purchase things or or get a loan or borrow uh, something. You You could do those things. You also had the right to receive a fair trial and actually a trial even before you received punishment. And if you weren't receiving a fair trial, you also had the right to appeal all the way to Caesar. And those last two rights are actually something that play into where we 're at today, like Paul exercised those last two rights, and he finds himself sitting as a prisoner, waiting for his appeal to Caesar. You remember they were getting ready to beat him in punishment, and I can just imagine Paul like. Hey, would you do this to a Roman citizen? You're getting ready to whip me right now. You know I don't have a trial. And the guy freaks out. The centurion begins to like back up really quick. and was like, wait, this guy's a citizen. We can't do this. Because being a citizen had certain rewards and privileges and perks. And Paul knows about them and and he's using his knowledge and the Philippians knowledge to actually begin to help them to see life through a different lens he's going to start focusing on some things today he wants them to view the right citizenship and begin to be about the right kingdom and so today I I want to talk to you and, and the message today is titled above all let's pray Jesus we we thank you for the moments that we get to spend together in your word And Lord, we know that you're in this place. And so I just ask that as your word goes forth, that it would penetrate our hearts. It would sink down deep into who we are. It would challenge us. It would change us. And God, it would convict us where we need to be convicted. It would encourage us. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it confidently and clearly. And Lord, help me to to hide behind you and and let your spirit begin to speak to each person that maybe they don't even hear the words that I'm speaking. They just hear the whisper of your spirit. God, we desire to be changed by you. So speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We are still in our Just in Case series where we are going through the book of Philippians, and we're, we're going to finish off chapter 1 this morning. Look at verse 27. This is where we are going to start. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And I wasn't struggling reading those scriptures. I slowed down on purpose. Because here's what Paul is doing right here. He, he's getting to the body of the letter. This is a nice letter, a very encouraging letter where he talks about joy and, and you can overcome circumstances and you can follow Jesus no matter what. And, and he's been through the greeting. He's updated them on what his life is like right now and what's going on. And now he's getting ready to cover some some deeper things or or maybe some more serious challenges. And to me, this is kind of funny because 121, we looked at that last week. That wasn't a soft call to follow Jesus, for me to live his Christ, to die his game. Like that was soft. And Paul's getting ready to get into even more challenges as we get right here. And how he starts verse 27 makes us, it should make us, Slow down and read this more carefully. Because he starts, the NLT says above all. The New American Standard translates it only. What he's about to say is very, very important. Above all, live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news, which is the gospel, above all. What Paul is saying, if we pay attention if we get this next part right, it will take care of so many things. Sometimes we focus on the, on the fringe things as if they're the main things. And Paul is like, look, pay attention right here. Let's talk about the main thing above all. Like put all of that to the side. Let's, let's look at above all. This is what I want you to see. And, and Paul wants us to know who we are. Because if we know who we are and whose we are, then we know what to do. And Paul's first challenge is easy to say and tough for some of us to do. And that's, it's very simple. Be consistent. He, he says, well, pastor, he didn't say be consistent at all in that scripture. Well, let me help you. What he says is conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now what he's not saying here with worthy, because sometimes when, when I read this, it's like, oh, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. oh, I got a part to play in in my salvation, right? He's not saying that worth here and being worthy of the gospel is doing things that are gonna make God love you more. And if you don't do these things, God's gonna love you less. That's not at all what he's saying. Salvation isn't earned. I'm never worthy of it. Jesus loved me enough that he came and he died for me even before people saw value in me. So my worth and my value isn't tied to the stuff that I do. It's tied to the price that Jesus already paid for me. Worthy isn't about what you and I are doing to earn salvation. Worthy here. This word is about consistency. It is an accounting word words. Some of you that like math and numbers, you're like, keep talking, pastor. I love it. And I'm going to put an equation up. on. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But what Paul is saying here is the manner that we're supposed to walk, the the worthiness that we're supposed to live our lives in is something that is about being consistent. It's about balancing the equation. And Paul doesn't just use this phrase here in Philippians 1. He also tells us that we need to walk in a manner worthy of our calling and in a manner worthy of the gospel in Colossians chapter one and first Thessalonians chapter two. And in Ephesians chapter four, he starts with this very same terminology. And then he spends the next 16 verses talking about what that looks like and how important our second point today is going to be where we talk about unity. You see, what Paul is stressing right here is our lives have to be consistent with the gospel, You need to live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what's he saying? Well, look, it's the life-changing power of the gospel on this side of the equation. And in order for it to be balanced, my life should be changed by the gospel on this side. There should be marks in my world of my life, how I live my day-to-day life that show that I am changed by the power of the gospel. That's what Paul is encouraging us. So I, I want you to just take a moment And take inventory of your life. If your life was an equation and the life changing power of the gospel is on one side and the life that you are living is on the other side, does it balance? Does your life represent the life changing power of the gospel? Are you living like Jesus would live if he were living your life? How are you doing with forgiveness, with love, with grace, with serving others before asking to be served? How are you with hospitality? How full of joy is your life? See, our lives should be like the gospel. It should be drawing people to Jesus. And if it's not doing that, Paul is going to remind us that something is out of balance. We need to pay attention to what we are saying because maybe we forgot who we belong to or actually the kingdom that we hold citizenship in. You see, Paul would tell us that we can't just enjoy the rewards of citizenship without handling the responsibility. So then so this whole phrase your manner the, the walk worthy all of this stuff the your manner of life or the you must live this is the word when you look in the greek this is the word where we get politics from which makes all of us really excited right oh yeah that's what i was waiting for but that's only where we get the word from. That's not how this works. The NLT does the best job of translating this into citizenship and where we belong and where, where our allegiances lie. The, the, new, uh, the NIV does a horrible job here because it talks about let your conversation, and that's not at all what the text says. It's saying, let your life be lived in a manner as if you were a citizen of heaven. And this is a phrase that they would understand as Paul began to challenge where their allegiances lied and what kingdom they were serving. It would speak directly to where they are. And probably for us in the United States, it speaks to where we are. Because the Romans, it it, it was great to be a citizen of Rome. This was a prize. This was the greatest empire on the planet at the time. And Paul was letting them know, hey, I, I know that you're a Roman citizen. But there is actually a different kingdom and a different king that you belong to. I know that you want to say that Roman citizenship is your prize and you want to hold up that card and show it for the world to see. But that's not the card that the world needs to see. It's actually the kingdom of heaven. And your citizenship card there should be the first card that people see. Oh, man, this is what I love and hate about Paul because he says things in a way that like gets you and it's like, oh, wait a minute. I have to think about this. Because this isn't a statement I think that they would walk over very quickly. This was huge to them. Because a little while after this, Nero, who is Caesar, would begin to make people chant, Nero is Lord, Nero is Lord. He would be making his citizens bow their knee to him. And Paul is subtly subtly, subtly right here in these couple of verses saying, remember your citizenship is in heaven. And a little bit later, when we get to chapter two, he's gonna say it very plainly that there is only one name under heaven, given by where men shall be saved. There is only one name, one king, one citizenship, one kingdom worth bowing your knee. And guess what? Eventually every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul's working his way into it and he's laying the groundwork now. And he's saying there is only one kingdom, one cause worth bowing our knee and calling someone Lord. And that's Jesus and see, as he's saying these things to them and now to us, if we are honest, for some of us, the pride that we have in where we are struggles in this moment. For, for them, again, remember the, the Roman Empire is where their allegiance belongs, where their citizenship is. They have rights and benefits. And us today as U.S. citizens living in the greatest country on the planet like my citizenship card means something i have rights and there are perks and privileges of being a citizen in the united states but paul would remind me don't hold on to that card more than you are holding on to the citizenship of heaven card and yeah that it, it's yeah but how does that work paul would paul would remind us That whatever citizenship we belong to right now, whatever country we are living in, that's all secondary to the kingdom of heaven. That that's the first place that our heart should be tied to. And now, because it is a better kingdom to belong to, a longer lasting kingdom to belong to with a better king to serve, we need to make sure that our conduct is consistent with the kingdom. It has to be the priority now. There's far more benefit to being a citizen of heaven than being a citizen of Rome, than being a citizen of the United States, than being a citizen of Canada, whatever country you want to throw into the mix. Being a citizen of heaven trumps all of it. And I love and hate that Paul doesn't give any room right here for the Philippians or for us. Because what he tells them next is like, hey, whether I come and see you, I want to find out that this is happening. So, just in case I don't, don't wait until I show up to live like this. Start living like this now. So that way, when I hear reports, I will know that you are standing firm together. I will know that the citizenship of heaven is the most important citizenship that you have. He wants us to remember to know, He's going to remind us in a couple other places that we are citizens of heaven. We have to remember where our true citizenship lies. Not that we completely forget everything else, but one is more important than the other. When I travel outside of the country, which happens every now and then, like this year, um, I was able to go to Kenya and I loved getting to come back home. Um, the, the flights are not fun because they're long and uncomfortable, but I, I enjoy getting to walk back through because when you get to customs, they stamp you, they stamp your, your passport and then they always say this, welcome home. And it feels so good to walk through the little gates and feel like, man, I am, I'm I'm on U.S. soil. This feels so good. It feels so much better than where I was. And that feeling pales in comparison to what it will feel like to walk through the gates of heaven and not just hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but hear, welcome home. And guess what? I built you a house. It's right over here. You see that road right there? I made that just for you. See, you've lived as a visitor somewhere else. Now come on in and welcome home. See, we we have to remember that we're only visiting here. Triple E says it best. He says, man, I can't kick up my feet here because I'm not at home. Put that in stone. Put that in stone. Look that up. That was for you, Alex. I'll throw that in there just for you. (laughs) So we have to make sure, because we are visiting here and our home is in heaven, and that's where our kingdom is and our citizenship really lies, we have to make sure that we are not living more for the temporal kingdom than we are for the eternal kingdom. Now, it doesn't matter how everybody else is acting. We get this, parents, you, you tell your kids that. It doesn't matter if everybody's acting a fool. You're my kid, right? God's like, man, it, it doesn't matter how everybody else is acting. Be citizens of heaven. Be my kids. They, they should be able to, to look at your life and see the balance of the equation where the gospel has shown up and it has changed who you are. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells us the things that should mark our lives are being humble and gentle. And being patient with each other. And giving grace in faults. Being united with the bond of peace. Measuring up to the fullness and the standard of Jesus. We need to grow more like Christ. Speaking the truth in love. And and a lot of times we're great at speaking the truth. But that's not what the scripture says we're supposed to do. Speaking the truth is easy. Anybody could do that. Speak the truth in and with love that's a mark of citizenship that's a mark of the kingdom of heaven and here's why this is important here's why your life matters because there are people in your world that will never accept an invitation to walk into this church you can carry around all the invite cards that you want you can invite them to easter and christmas and they may not even accept it from your hand Oh, God, and if you leave a track for them that looks like a $100 bill, but it's not a $100 bill, that ain't winning anybody to the kingdom either. They may never pick up that track. They may never read it. But you know what they will read? Your life. The best literature outside of, of the word of God is a life changed by the gospel. Paul tells the Corinthian church, one of your favorite verses is that you are the letter read by all men. That people should be able to read your life and see the gospel in it. You are the letter read by all men. And by your life, they will know the works that have happened because of the gospel. You are the letter. I in the letter. People will read that. So my question to you is what literature are they reading from your life? What gospel are they seeing? Are they seeing a prosperity gospel? Where I give to get, I name it, then I claim it. I'm always blessed and highly favored. If I'm going through struggle, watch out because my test is turning into a testimony and my message. message and we can rhyme and we can do all that stuff. And that's great. Like I'll use that. But are they seeing that, that troubles don't come your way? That you signed up to be on Jesus' team for the blessings? Not the burdens. I don't want that. Is that what they're seeing? Are, are, they, finding, are, are they finding that the gospel that you preach is, is only relevant here in the United States? Okay. That, that we're, we're relevant only in this place? Which that's not, that's not the full gospel. The gospel is for to go into all of the world, not just stay in one place and not be beneficial only for Western liver, people living here in the United States and living in Western civilization. Are they finding out that that your gospel is is more dependent on who's in control politically? Are are, are they finding out that you talk more about slogans than you do scriptures? Are they seeing you You post about your candidates more than you're posting about Christ? And I'm not saying you can't have an opinion or anything like that. I'm just telling you people are reading your lives. What gospel are you showing them? Yeah because I don't want you to forget, like we think at various times, all of us, every single one of us in this room, we complain about the government, whether you are a Democrat, a Republican, whether you don't vote, we all complain at some point for something. The problem is we complain thinking that the the reason or the answer is another candidate in another party. But the real reason that we need to stop complaining and focus more on the other kingdom is the answer is never in another political party. It's from the man whose government, who, whose shoulders are holding the government. We need to be looking to Jesus for the answer. So what gospel, what gospel are, are, are they reading? Are they reading the gospel that looks sometimes, sometimes I live for Jesus. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I trust him. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I give him my all, but Sometimes I work things out on my own. Almost, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost following Jesus. I went to church this week. See you next month. Like what, what gospel are they reading? Or are they reading the gospel where they can see in your life that God created us to be with him? And that in that process, we messed up and sin entered the world and, and it separates us now from God. And and even though we try to do good stuff. It didn't work and so Jesus came and he paid the price for you and I by dying for our sins and now he gives us an invitation to trust him with our lives and everyone, every single person, it's not limited by color, it's not limited by country, it's not limited by citizenship. Every single person that says, I'll believe in Jesus, he says, come on in to the kingdom. I have a new life for you that starts now and lasts forever. Are they seeing the gospel that shows them how God loves us and seeks us and forgives us and died to save us and give us a new life? Is that what they're seeing? because whatever it is that they're reading we're giving them a glimpse of the kingdom we say we belong to and what we show them is supposed to make them want to be a part of it not run from it and i get that not everyone is going to want the gospel there was a long time there were times that i would be offended at someone oh god is good and My response would always be, well, tell me about this then. If God's so good, how about this? There's too much struggle in the world. There's too much problem. There's too much pain. da 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 da." Like, I have reason. There will always be people that reject the gospel. There's a wide road and a narrow road. And the gospel is offensive for the people who don't want anything to do with it. But that doesn't mean that you and I have to be offensive while we share it. See, there is nothing that will hinder the spread of the gospel like citizens of heaven, not acting like citizens of heaven. Scriptures tell us that we are supposed to be in the world and not of the world, that we're to not let the world squeeze us into its mold, even when things are good. We have to make sure that we're not choosing good over God. So should we find ourselves fighting for and championing the cause of another king and another kingdom, we need to humbly submit our hearts and our knee and bow before the real king and ask him to search and change our heart once again. We have to be consistent. Our walk has to match our talk. In this scripture, Paul not only says that we have to be consistent, he says we have to be united. He says standing firm in one spirit, and the Paul, Paul references the spirit. He says, uses the same terminology that he did earlier on in the chapter that references the spirit of God that comes and helps him make it through the struggle that he's facing right now. He's saying that spirit is the same spirit that we all need to be walking in, that needs to be tying us together. He's subtly, again, reminding us that unity is key right here. And he's gonna talk to us later about it in this letter more, more bluntly. He wants us to know That if there is a fight, if there's a fight for the church, and I'll clue you in on this, there's a fight for the church, that that fight should not be on the inside of the church, but on the outside of the church. We are to stand firm, stand together, stand shoulder to shoulder, and face the enemy. Don't let him walk into this place and divide us. You see what he loves to do. I think by now he's realized that he cannot destroy the church. So he's working really hard at dividing the church because if he can divide us, if, if he can make us argue and shame and belittle each other on social media and, and on every opportunity that we can, if he makes us look like fools to the world, why would the world ever want to be a part of the church? You can't even get this right. Look, you just called out another church. You just made fun of this guy. You said they got what they deserved. You did that. You how? T- tell me how many people are coming to Jesus because we we act like that. And I'll say we because even if we don't want to be honest, we act like that sometimes. All of us, every single one of us. We point at failure. We point at something that that ah look see told you ah. We we draw a line when Paul says that we need to be united around the one thing that matters, the gospel. We need to be united around the life-changing power of the gospel. We are united by the gospel and for the spread of the gospel. Look, look around, do, do a quick, like, sh- sh- look and see other people that are in this room. This is what the gospel does. Gospel brings people that have no business being in the same room together, sitting next to each other, spending time together, loving each other, doing life together. The gospel does this right here. It unites people from every age, every race, every walk of life. The differences that we had now seem to melt away because of the life-changing power of the gospel. Now, does that mean that we won't have differences? That we won't have differing opinions about things? That we'll always hold hands and be best friends and I'll let you braid my hair and all that. Does that, is that what that means? No, no. Because we all grew up differently. We all had different experiences. But what I can trust in is that God, who changed my life with the gospel, is not done working on me yet. And the gospel will continue to change who I am, the the values that I hold. Eventually, for some of us, we we have no idea how to live according to the Bible because we never read the Bible. And that's something that God is going to change in us. And so our values and principles now become based on Scripture. And the things that we hold on to most are the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we look like that, and it may not happen instantly, but it will happen because God's promise going to be kept that when he starts it he finishes it so let's stand together let's be united if there are things that are tearing down unity within the church I would challenge you to step away from it for just a moment and look at what card you're holding up for your citizenship is it the kingdom or is it your opinion or your fact because everybody's opinion is no longer an opinion it is a fact Backed by tons of research done on the internet by Google, and here's why I'm right and you're wrong. Make sure, make sure that we are standing together. Don't don't waste your breath. Don't waste your breath on on these things that that make us look like we have no idea what we're doing. That make us look like we don't care. That make us look like, like there's there's no unity inside of the body of Christ, like we're not one big unit moving together. Don't waste your breath. Don't jump in. Don't pile on. Don't, don't put your opinion out there just saying. Don't do any of that. Like, just step back. Some of us feel like it's our job to defend God. Let me clue you in on this. He's just like a lion. Open the cage and let him defend himself. Here's, here's where we got this mixed up. I, I don't need to defend God. I need God. To defend. Me. So I'm not I'm not a big debater, I'm not a big arguer. Like I, I stay out of that stuff. Because no one has ever won me over to their side pointing out how dumb I am for believing what I believe. So I just assume: hey, if, if God that created everything can create everything, if He can change my heart, if He can get a hold of me. Can get a hold of you. He can get a hold of other people. I, I want to let him do his thing. And, and while I'm doing that, man, I, wa- I want to encourage my brothers. I want to encourage my sisters. I want to stand next to you and I want to speak life to you and I want to encourage you to follow the Bible, to live according to how we're supposed to be living, to walk as citizens of heaven, not citizens of anywhere else. But oftentimes those conversations need to happen like this, not like this, or like this. So let's be about that because Paul, Paul stresses unity in this book with the word with over 16 different times in the scripture. And he tags it with other things so that we can know how important it is in this one verse. He does it in two ways. He talks about team. He talks about uh, athletic being with, and then he talks about military being with. So Paul, what are you saying? Well, make sure you have the right Jersey on and make sure the front of the Jersey says the gospel and the back of your Jersey says Jesus Christ nowhere does your name need to be on that jersey. You need to wear the jersey that says the gospel and Jesus Christ. That's the athletic portion. And then he gets into the military stuff, which is great because the Roman military forces, you can't beat them. That's why they have an empire. And when he begins to, to make this correlation between the church Standing together, fighting together with one spirit, with one purpose. He paints this picture of the phalanx of the Roman army and the way that they would join together and they would be an indestructible force if you and i can get unity right if we can stand next to each other for the gospel to spread the gospel if we can keep the main thing the main thing and believe in each other and walk in one one person one body one church moving forward we are a dangerous threat to the kingdom of hell and that's what paul wants us to know if we stand unified we are deadly to the enemy And let's not forget where the battle is. We fight so much physically. It's that person. It's that thing. It's this. What does Ephesians 6 tell us? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the dark forces, the prince of the power of the air. Where is the fight really? It's in the spiritual realm. So are you doing more work and more fighting physically or spiritually? Are you spending more time addressing issues? Are you spending more time putting your armor on and grabbing your weapon and fighting spiritually? And I know, man, it's easy for me to say right now. Because I'm right. well, you're not being attacked. Well, when we're attacked, sometimes we feel like it's more physical than anything, right? But it's not. It's physical. It's it's spiritual. We We have to be able to step back, recognize the real enemy, and let's fight him. Let's fight him together. Because when we do that, when we move together as one with one spirit and one purpose, the gospel will move forward. The whole point, Paul says, is the gospel. I got to lift up Jesus' name. Why? Why is that important? Because when I lift up his name, scriptures tell me that it draws all men to him. That's the purpose. That's what we're supposed to be moving towards. And then he, he finishes up this, uh, this chapter with, with this. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, everybody's like, yeah, but also the privilege of suffering for him. No. (laughs) We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. The last thing that Paul would tell us is to be confident. See, when you live for the gospel, you will have opposition. It's as easy as that. And how Paul starts these last couple of, of sentences off. He says, dude, don't panic. Don't run. Don't be afraid. And, and the Greek actually paints the picture of a startled horse getting ready to go in battle. Nope, I'm out. I'm going the other way. And Paul's saying, man, don't, don't do that. Don't be afraid. No going into this that there will be opposition. No going into this there will be suffering. And I love the picture that he paints here. Because not only does he say that salvation is a gift, here's the grace that God has given you. But there is also a gift, not just in salvation, but in suffering. Here's this gift as well. Well, that's, I don't want that gift. None of us sign up for that gift. But then Paul says, hey, look, if we signed up for Jesus, then, then we signed up for all of it. And here is, here is our king who came and he suffered and he died for me and for you. And so as we suffer in opposition, as people come against us, as the enemy comes against us, as things happen, know that it is for a reason. And in those moments of suffering, I get to say, hey, Jesus suffered. They think I'm like Jesus. I get to suffer too. I can be happy about the suffering that is taking place. And that sounds so crazy, right? I'm happy. Punish me. You know what? I was going to take that. Uh, promotion at work but I wouldn't compromise my character so I'm happy I didn't get it like most of us aren't saying that we're disappointed in that but know that we need to stand up and live as citizens of heaven even if it costs us that promotion at work and in the moments where we can take part in, in gossiping and, and, and in conversations that we know we shouldn't have any business in, the Spirit is telling us as we walk away, know that people are going to poke fun at you. They're going to call you names. They're going to call you goody-two-shoes. They're going to make you feel like, all right, well, I guess it's not really that harmful. I'll just come. and I, just want, I don't want you to make fun of me. No, no, no. Paul's saying, look, if you are suffering because of being a citizen of heaven, that's good because our king suffered too. You can identify with him. You can be a part of that. Membership does have its rewards, and suffering is one of them. You know something incredible happens when when suffering occurs, and it's something that we only experience in suffering, because before suffering happens, like we're just living our life. Hey, how's it going? Gotcha. You know, we're doing all this, right? We're living. How are you doing? Oh, it's great. It's great. And then when suffering comes, our walk begins to slow. And things begin to hurt that never hurt before. And, and, and the pain that, that we have and, and that we begin to look for a place of rest. We begin to look for something that that we can lean on and find strength from, And, and maybe suffering would cause us to lean against the cross of Christ and to lean up against the gospel and find our strength and find our hope and our peace right here so that at the end of it, we realize that we were holding on to the gospel. We were holding on to Jesus, but he was holding on to us even more. And now my relationship with him has grown in such a way that I could only realize it from Suffering. Some of you, your marriages are stronger today because of the struggles that you've been through. Because heat reveals what's really underneath. Suffering can be a gift. It can be. Paul Paul is encouraging in this moment because the, the people that live in Philippi, they're getting ready to get it. They just don't know they're getting ready to get it. Nero is going to lose his mind and start killing Christians for sport. And when we suffer, Paul says, man, I'm going through it too. Do you realize that we're not the only people suffering for the gospel? That the way that we suffer now here, where we're at in the lives that we live, it ties us to people serving the Lord in other places around the world, suffering for the gospel in ways that you and I could never imagine. And as we suffer for the kingdom, as we suffer because we're citizens, it bonds us together with our brothers and sisters. And then Paul says this, that suffering not only gives us a benefit here, but it's also a sign to the unbelievers. And and, and this is where it's like, wow, man, this is crazy. That that people could look at, at your suffering knowing that you're being persecuted, knowing that you're going through stuff, that they could look at all that's going on and as you stand firm and don't run, as you don't run away from it, as you stick to your guns and hold on to your faith, they might be like, whoa, your, your faith is, that's worth all this? You're willing to go, to go through this? Man, I'd be out. And at some point, The hope would be that your suffering awakens them to the path that they're really on. That it awakens them to the destruction that lies ahead of them. That they see that they're on the wide road and they realize, wait, I can get off of this path. I can get off of this track. I can make a U-turn. I want what you got. That that's another benefit of suffering. It's a promise for salvation. God is going to show up. Jesus is going to show up. It's also a sign that they can choose Jesus as well. And if they don't, they're in for reckoning by their own choice. And Jesus doesn't want that for for anyone. He, He wants not one soul to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. And suffering is all part of all this. We have to be Consistent, and be united and be confident in suffering. Maybe if I said it this way, you would, you would take it a little bit differently that when Jesus is your king, what do you really have to fear? Jesus said, you don't have to worry about man that can only kill the body. I got control of all of it. We're, that's, that's where we need to, to put our, our trust and our faith and our reverence there. The fear there that that he's talking about isn't be afraid of me, but is give me your reverence. And I can take care of it all. I can suffer now knowing that the pains of suffering now pale in comparison to the joy that's in front of me. I can suffer now knowing and believing that Jesus will come and eventually make all things good. He'll set all things right. It may not be in my lifetime, but I can believe that he will. And if it's not in my lifetime, guess what? I get to go home. I get to hear welcome home. I get to be in the place where my citizenship card says I belong all this time. And Paul's encouraging them, not from a beach, not saying, hey, you know, I went through this stuff too. You know, I'm still going through it. I love that Paul says, I'm still in the middle of all this. He's not out of it. And, and he's not even counting on the fact that he's going to live. He's saying, no matter what, I'm good. And you can be good too. Don't fear. Don't worry. Remember where you belong. Remember the kingdom that your life is truly supposed to be about. See, if we get this right, if we get citizenship correctly, it can change the world around us because it changes us. It changes the way we move and we live. It it changes because we recognize that that right now is temporary and where we're going is eternity and we can embrace the rewards and the responsibility of being citizens of heaven. And we live our lives in service to our king and we point to our king, to the life-changing power that he has. We live our lives as ambassadors so that people around us can experience the life-changing power of the gospel as well. We remember that our lives are letters being read by everyone around us. And it should be our hope that they read those letters and want the King that we've pledged our lives to. If we get this right, the gospel can spread. It has a chance to infect, that's a great word, your family and spread to those family members you've been praying about for years. And your friends that are close and they feel like family, but they need Jesus. It can spread to them. It can spread to your coworkers. If we get this right, above all, pay attention to where we live. So let's be consistent. Let's let the letter of our lives always point to Jesus. Let's be united. Let's walk together and encourage each other and stand next to each other and fight the enemy that would try to destroy the church. That would try to keep the gospel From going forward, let's move forward as one body with one spirit for the glory of our King. And let's be confident that opposition means we're headed in the right direction. That if we're not facing opposition, that means we're moving in the same direction as the enemy. And know that opposition will come and suffering will come and it will bruise you, but it cannot, it will not break you. Would you close your eyes this morning? Maybe today you're looking for something new, something different. You need a fresh start. And that's exactly what Jesus does. And that's why we're all in this room together because he's changed us. And if we could get up and tell our stories of of what we've been freed from and the lifestyles that we've led, we would find a a wide range of things that God has freed us from, from drugs and alcohol, to, to abuse, to lying, to stealing. And some of us have been set free from our own religious set of righteousness that we lived before Jesus. But he came for all of us while we were still sinners he came and died for us would you stand with me all across the room this morning if if you need Jesus as the worship team sings i'm, I'm going to make my way right down here and if you need Jesus you say pastor i Calling my name, and I've tried a lot of things. I need, I need something different and new. I just want you to meet me right down here towards the front. I would be honored to pray with you and introduce you to the King and His Kingdom. Our prayers that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at NewVisionGrandview.com. Bye.